At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories. India's very own travel podcast where each week we discuss the story of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you our listeners. Hi guys, I'm your host Saif and our guest traveler today is none other than the bab of all Indian travel blogs, the Desi Traveler, also known as Prasad NP. Prasad is a travel blogger, a photographer, an entrepreneur, a mentor and an investor in many new startups. Prasad loves to write about travel in general and family travel in particular. He is also an active advocate of wildlife protection and nature conservation. Prasad's works have been featured in publications such as Andhra Jyoti, Vav Hyderabad, Maharashtra Times and the Indian Express. He also regularly writes and contributes for Travel Leisure magazine, Dainik Bhaskar and Jetwings, the in-flight magazine of Jet Airways. Prasad's blog has been named by Bagout as one of the top 16 socially active travel blogs in India and he has also been mentioned by Tripoto and IndianExpress.com as one of the top travel bloggers to look out for. With that introduction, I'd like to welcome Prasad NP, the Desi Traveler. Prasad, thanks so much for being a part of the Musafir Stories and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks a lot for inviting me for the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. Excellent. Prasad, the introduction I gave initially is kind of concise. So why don't you go ahead and tell us and our listeners a little bit more about you, your blog, The Desi Traveler, and also when the travel bug bit you. How long have you been traveling and blogging for? Sure. So I've been traveling as far as I remember since my childhood, mostly earlier with my parents. And then when I was in college, I used to go on a lot of uh, trips with my friends and uh, my job also required me to travel a lot i used to travel almost 10 15 days in a month so slowly you can say the block came much later the traveler has been always there and formally the blog in the with the name desi traveler started in 2013 end types though before that i have been writing on blogspot once in like 6 months kind but seriously i started blogging sometime in mid uh 2014 and uh, 2013 types when i actually moved to wordpress and started using the name desi traveler okay. uh yeah so that's the story behind it it essentially remains a, a hobby kind of blog for me because this is not my full time profession but i love to travel and i love to share my stories and prasad tell us a little bit more about uh the name is there a story behind the name desi traveler Yes so i used to work for a us company and almost every month uh, i would go to us i and uh, i have a few close friends uh, living in new york and uh, close by areas so every time i'll pass through new york we'll meet them and they'll say our desi traveler has come <laughs> 
So that's how the name stuck and I started using it uh, for my blog because in New York and surrounding areas, people typically from India, Bangladesh and Pakistan are called Desi. So that's how. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. And Prasad, uh, can you please tell our listeners what you write about? What's your, what's your niche? So mainly I focus on destinations where you can travel with your family. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see a lot of stories about uh, places where you can go with your family. Yeah. You'll see stories about nature, environment, wildlife, uh, those kind of stories where people can. You'll find very few stories about hardcore adventure sports like paragliding or scuba diving. But you'll see a lot of stories about wildlife, nature. And my idea is that if you can encourage people to not only travel, but travel responsibly. Mm-hmm. Because travel creates a lot of carbon footprint. And uh, if you can sensitize people like, okay, hey, you're going for a trek in Himalayas. But remember to bring back your chocolate wrappers, your water bottles and all those stuff back with you. So that's what my focus is about. And I write with the idea that when people read these stories, not only they become sensitized, but if they're traveling with their kids, they tell them also about these things that, hey, we are traveling to Himalayas and it's our moral responsibility to make sure that uh, we leave them as pristine as we found them. Exactly. So that future, the future generations can also enjoy these and it's not just us doing, uh, doing yes. those experiments, right? Awesome. So on that note, uh, we have a little tradition at the Musafir Stories, Prasad, where we, with um, each week with our uh, guest travelers, we speak about a destination, the ins and outs of it, um, everything from preparation to how to get there, where to stay, things to do, avoid, all of that. Uh, essentially the A to Z of that destination. So having said that, where would you like to take our listeners to today? So I would talk a little bit about Spiti in Himachal. The reason I want to talk about Spiti is that it is still an unspoiled destination. It is not a touristy place like say Manali or Shimla and uh, the landscape and the terrain is very similar to Ladakh. But fortunately or unfortunately, as the case may be, Spiti doesn't have an airport. So you need to travel 12 to 14 hours to reach Spiti and that is from Manali. so the idea is like if people have started traveling to Spiti, let's let's start traveling there responsibly and make sure that we do not spoil Spiti. So that's the whole idea. So that's why I want to talk about uh, Spiti. It's a very beautiful place. People are very friendly. The terrain is harsh, but extremely beautiful. And uh, you have some really nice uh, small a day trek. You have longer tracks also, but I've done only smaller day tracks over there. So I think uh, that's a place uh, people have started discovering only in last few years. And it would be good if that kind of becomes a destination where people travel only responsibly and it doesn't become touristy. Excellent. So having said that, how did you get there, Prasad? Uh, You said it's about a 14-hour journey from Manali, right? Uh, So uh, what was your um, journey like? Where did you start off from and uh, what was the whole process of getting there? Sure. So Spiti is another high altitude destination. The air is thin, oxygen levels are low. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's better you take a one night stopover in Manali, get a little bit acclimatized to slightly higher uh, altitude, and then you take a, either a bus or a car or a cab, whatever, to Spiti. And it takes anywhere between 12 to 14 hours to reach Kaza, which is the district headquarters of Spiti. You can stop on the way wherever you want because the whole landscape is so beautiful. I'm sure everybody would want to stop 
and click pictures. So the whole idea of going slowly is because as you're climbing higher, your body gets used to the rarefied atmosphere over there. And by the time you reach Gaza, it is still recommended you rest completely at least for one day so that you don't exert yourself and you don't get uh, mountain sickness when you start uh, looking around or traveling within Spiti the next day. There's another route which is 24 hours, but then you have to go through Shimla and uh, the other side. So I normally recommend that you go via Manali, mm-hmm. which takes only 12 to 14 hours. Awesome. And uh, in terms of preparation, you did mention about the altitude sickness and AMS being a factor, but anything else that um, our listeners and fellow travelers should keep in mind while traveling to uh, Spiti? Anything to carry? Uh, what should one pack? Okay, so Spiti, like I said, is high altitude place and it is above tree line. So you will not get any shade over there. Mm -hmm. So whether you are going on a trek or even if you are going to market, sunlight is very harsh. So I highly recommend you carry with you good sunscreen, a hat which will cover your face, umbrella, whatever the case may be. The idea is you should protect yourself from the very strong sunlight over there. Otherwise, you'll get like uh, very severe sunburns. But if you're prepared with a sunscreen lotion or you're wearing a proper hat and all, then you'd be safe. So that is one part. The other part about uh, Spiti is that uh, because uh, you are traveling in a terrain where there is no trees and when you are in shade, it gets very cold. When you are in sunlight, it gets uh, warmer. So the temperature difference is very high between shade and when you are standing in the sun. Right. So be prepared. Wear layer clothes. Even when you are going in summers, the evenings are going to be very cold. They are going to be as cold as winters in plains like uh, Delhi and all. Mm-hmm. So don't just think that I am going to spit in summer, so I will not need warm clothes you will need warm clothes in evenings and you will need warm clothes when you are trekking to some of the higher destinations even in the peak of summers yeah and then even most of the deserts for that uh, for a matter of fact get pretty cold during nights right so, absolutely so these are desert so yeah. it's a cold desert so all the more reason to carry warm clothes exactly exactly so having said that uh, when or uh, what time of the year did you travel there so the best time to travel is uh, during what we call summers in plains, so anytime after June to mid-September, the passes are open and you can travel by road over there. Uh, you can also go in winters, but then Rotang Pass is normally closed. Both Rotang and Kunjum Pass are closed, so you have to go via Shimla. That takes you two days. You have to stop uh, overnight on the way. And then, uh, so, but for a first-time traveler, I would recommend you go only in summer between June to mid-September. Awesome. So, Prasad, having um, gone through the preparation phase and um, best time of the year to get there, uh, how was your itinerary like? Uh, how long was your um, whole trip? So, because you need one day to get acclimatized to the high altitude and one day to travel. So, typically, I would suggest you do a trip between 7 to 10 days <laughs> to visit most of the places. And uh, you cannot rush a place like Spiti. You cannot rush from point A to point B. So you have to travel slowly, enjoy, savor the flavors, meet with the locals. So I would recommend anywhere between 7 to 10 days. You start from Manali, you reach Gaza. You can make Gaza as your base camp. Uh, and then you can start exploring the places around it. Because there are not too many hotels uh, in uh, Spiti. You need to do a little bit of research and stay in some nice uh, 
guest houses or homestays in, uh, in Spiti. Uh-huh. So I would recommend you make Kaza your home uh, base and then from Kaza you start exploring nearby areas like Key Monastery. You can go to Dhankar Lake and Monastery and uh, there are a couple of other monasteries over there like there's a Tabo uh, Monastery. Uh-huh. Uh, you So the, the, these are the places you start exploring one by one. If you are interested in living in a Himalayan village, you should explore uh, villages like Langza village, Dhankar village, where the locals are very friendly and they open up their homes as homestays for you to stay uh, with uh, them. Uh, while you are coming back, I recommend you stop for a night at Chandratal Lake, either go there directly by your vehicle or you start a small trek from Kunzum Pass and slowly go to Chandratal Lake. Uh, uh, Till about uh, two kilometers before the lake, you can actually camp. There's a special campsite uh, where uh, you can pitch a tent and stay over there. So these are some of the places you must visit and take it slowly. One place in a day. I would not say going more than one place in a day in Spiti. Awesome. So so let's get um, into some of the specifics there. You did mention that Kaza was your uh, like base camp, right? So that's yes. where you started from. Uh, uh, any things to see or do in Kaza or did you just use that as a base camp for lodging and where did you live uh, while you were there? So Kaza has a Himachal tourism hotel and there are a few other private hotels and uh, guest houses. Most of them are very basic so you can choose any one of them. We stayed in the Himachal tourism hotel which was slightly better I would say compared to some of the very basic homestays and uh, they have round the clock uh, uh, running water and electricity so that's a good thing in a remote uh, place and within Kaza there's a Kaza monastery which is just walking distance uh, from the main market then you can go to the key monastery which is one of the old monasteries and a lot of monks actually live there and study Buddhism over there so they, they welcome visitors within their visiting hours and you can explore the monastery if the monks are free you can talk to them take some pictures and the view from the top of the monastery is awesome you can look into the valley beyond and the blue mountains and cotton candy uh, clouds are there almost everywhere around you so you can have a look at them and click some nice pictures good thing with key monastery is that you can take your vehicle right up to the gate of the monastery so you don't actually have to track over there so I, I normally recommend that if you're going to Spiti for the first time, you start with Key Monastery because uh, that way you get used to uh, going to some of these uh, monasteries. Key being closer to a big uh, center like Kaza, they are used to people coming over there compared to some of the smaller monasteries where still not too many people go. Exactly. And then how did you uh, get about? Did you hire a vehicle there or uh, how was this? So... Within Kaza, you will get uh, cabs. There are some very skeletal local buses available, but you need to find a schedule for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did was we have hired a vehicle from Manali itself who and a local guide who was from Kaza and who accompanied us uh, everywhere. So this guy knew about all the places and had local contacts, which is, by the way, highly recommended for two reasons. A, it will save you a lot of time. Uh, in exploring the places because they will know the routes, they will know if any road is blocked and uh, since they are local so people are more receptive to them 
the other reason is this day he was pumping some little bit of money back into the local economy Absolutely. and so so that that's a very important point that i want to make that when you are visiting some of these local uh, places i always recommend hiring local people whether it is the cab driver whether it is your guide or whether you are eating so try some of the local dishes stay with local families and this way you are contributing little bit of money to the local economy which will help in these people having a better standard of living uh, i one of my friends he has opened a small library in uh, spiti and whenever he or any one of us is traveling we carry some of the books for the kids to read and distribute amongst them that's a very noble thought i have to say and and uh, it indeed is a very good way to support the locals there from uh, because in a lot of um, places you do see that there is this migration from um, places far off far flung places like that to the cities because people don't find enough work around there so it's a good uh, it definitely is a good way to support these locals by um, giving them um, all these jobs that you mentioned so absolutely uh, so prasad moving on uh, uh, just before we move on how long of a ride was it from kaza to kimonastria first destination i think it was just 45 minutes or so because we were stopping at many many places you can actually see it from the city but because it's way up uh, in the mountains you take a road the road is good so but we stopped at many places just because see the beauty of spiti is so much no matter where you click you you just frame your shot and you press the button and you'll get a beautiful shot so we tend to stop at a hundred places to click pictures so honestly i'll not be able to tell if you don't stop how much time you will take <laughs> that's so true and for all the listeners uh, that prasad has been mentioning about the picturesque <clears throat> locations around in and around spiti you have to go and have a look at his blog desitraveler.com to see some of the uh, pictures he's taken and um, just be wowed by them because i know we're talking about it and you're being very descriptive but still uh, it's hard to capture uh, the beauty of the place absolutely yeah so, so uh, some more uh, specifics about the key monastery you mentioned that it's one of the biggest monasteries in uh, spiti right prasad yes it's a big monastery and the monks there are very friendly mm-hmm. so the good thing is if you reach there in time uh, like uh, when they're open because in the evening before sunset they close because the monks eat uh, early and then they go for prayers or whatever they need to do so it's a good uh, thing to reach there around say 9:30 10 types and then you can spend half a day over there talking to monks uh, clicking pictures and uh, i would highly recommend that they have a small kitchen over there mm-hmm. and they make uh, absolutely delicious uh, himalayan uh, tea you must try that and they are very kind to offer it to uh, visitors so must try that uh what i would also like to recommend over here there is like see a lot of monks are praying and they are into meditation yeah. so it is not a good idea to disturb them and request them for posing pictures if they, if they are not doing anything and they are just walking around and if you request them most of them will oblige but if you find anybody is in deep meditation or praying or something i would request that you please leave them alone and let them do their thing absolutely absolutely um so how long, how much time did you spend at uh, the key uh i would say half a day is good enough you reach there you explore the monastery where you climb it's a multi level monastery like uh, so slowly you climb to the top and then once you are at the top you can look at the spiti valley 
and the, the river flowing below. So you take a lot of pictures over there and if you're lucky, the clouds will form a nice pattern and you'll get even more beautiful pictures. If you are in luck, they would be doing uh, some harvesting in the sweet pea farms. Hmm. So you can go to the sweet pea farms at the base of the monastery and help uh, the monks uh, in harvesting the sweet peas. They welcome this idea. Any any luck? Did you have any luck? Yeah, we we were lucky. We were able to go to the farms and uh, help uh, them in plucking the peas and clicking some pictures while they were doing that. Awesome. That would be a fulfilling feeling, right? Yes. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, so anything else at the key monastery you'd like to mention, uh, Prasad, or uh, do you want to take us to our uh, next pit stop? Yeah, I think pretty much uh, everything you need to do there I've covered. We can go to the next. Yeah, and then, uh, more than going and doing stuff, it's just about being there and just experiencing the feeling being there, right? It's uh, the calmness, uh, especially if you're from, if you're leading a city life, just experiencing the calmness, the... Uh, just the i don't know the smell of the air it's a, it's so much different it's so much uh, about just experiencing the place than seeing and doing a lot of the things you might do in uh, other places that's what i feel no you are absolutely right just the calmness over there just to sit in a corner and observe what is happening around you or just climb to the roof of the monastery and look into the valley because no matter in which direction you look you have snow clad peaks the terrain is so harsh, but the people are so polite and nice. I mean, that whole feeling of nothing to worry, no rush, nowhere to go, because everything you need is around you and you, you have been living in this harsh land for hundreds and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So if you try to connect with them, that calmness that you get, and then like it's a totally different level of travel and feeling when you visit some of these places, when you interact with these smiling people. Absolutely, absolutely. So on that note, uh, what was your next pit stop, Prasad? Where did you move on? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming, did you head back to Kaza after that trip? or uh, did you Yeah, so we head back to Kaza on that day. We spent some time in the market <laughs> because sun sets pretty early in uh, these higher Himalayas because the peaks are so tall that very soon uh, you get like uh, shadows everywhere and it starts getting very cold. So that's why I'm saying like uh, not more than one destination. So we came back to the market, spent some time looking around, buying some souvenirs, then went back to our hotel. Mm -hmm. And in the night, we climbed the roof of the hotel and we tried to click some star trails because you you get absolutely clear skies in places like Spiti. There's no light pollution. Probably Kaza is not the best place because it it is a fairly big town by Spiti standards. But in some of the remoter villages, you, you, you can get absolutely beautiful stars. You can see the Milky Way with your naked eyes, which you will never get to see in a place like Bangalore or Delhi. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Awesome. And also, let me ask while we're at this, um, how about the food? Uh, because that's something that people tend to keep in mind as well while traveling. Uh, how was the food and uh, how did you get, get by it? So the local food is definitely uh, worth trying. It's a, a combination of Tibetan and uh, Spithian food. So if you have never tried it, I would highly recommend you try it. It's very flavorful, very simple, mm-hmm. but very flavorful. Uh, lot of, lot of you, you get a lot of uh, things like uh, momos and uh, noodles and all, but uh, 
normal food which people in plains of india are used to like roti rice dal uh-huh. they're all available that should not be an issue but uh, it will not be very spicy or anything because the taste will be very simple but very flavorful so food i don't think you should worry at all in spiti okay. if you want to try local food there is a ample amount of choices mm-hmm. but if you want to try whatever you have used to so most of that is available uh, but in a very much more simpler form awesome awesome and what about our uh, vegetarian brethren yeah no problem, no problem. there's there ample amount of vegetarian choices i am myself a vegetarian okay. so i never faced any issue in spiti Awesome. So moving on, uh, what was your next day like? What was your plan? Yeah, so next day we visited uh, Dhankar Monastery and Dhankar Lake. Mm-hmm. So it's about one and a half, two hours drive from Gaza. Again, because we were stopping, so it, I, I am unable, unable to tell if how much time it will take if we don't st- stop. But I can assure you, nobody will be able to drive continuously without stopping because you will stop to click pictures. Yeah. Anyway, so Dhankar Monastery is another monastery. It's slightly older and you need to buy a small ticket. I'm forgetting the price, but it's a very nominal sum which they collect from you for maintenance of the monastery mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of old uh, uh, artifacts are displayed over there there are a lot of old tibetan scrolls that you can have a look and uh, monks are praying over there you can photograph around the monastery the good thing with this monastery is they also have a small cafeteria mm-hmm. where you can go and um, try both local as well as uh, normal food over there they also have a small guest house attached to it where you can make a prior booking and stay in the guest house if you want to spend more than a day or so uh, in monastery and looking around the area uh, there's a dhankar village uh, close to the monastery where mm-hmm. some of the locals have uh, homestays that also you you can uh, stay and so that's the part about uh, dhankar so i personally highly recommend that when you reach uh, monastery after you are done you can have lunch at the monastery itself mm-hmm. rest for a while and then you can start your trek to the dhankar lake okay so very few people actually go to dhankar lake it's a very small trek only about an hour or so depending upon your fitness level mm-hmm. uh but the lake is absolutely pristine it's a very small lake but the waters are absolutely clear you can see the pebbles at the bottom and the reflections of the clouds in the lake is absolutely amazing and uh, on any given day there will be not more than say 10 to 15 people over there if you are lucky when we were there we were the only group and later when we were coming back another small uh, group of 3 4 people were coming hmm. so absolutely absolutely pristine place and only about an hour or so of uh, hiking over there and the whole uh, trail is uh, littered with the uh, wild rose bushes which are in bloom in this season okay. so absolutely amazing uh-huh. and and in terms of um, the height is this are you traveling upwards or um, how how yeah you are traveling a little bit upward yes okay. absolutely traveling upward but because this is now your th- second or third day at high altitude uh-huh. so you should be fine you should not have a issue okay and i guess in terms of um, preparation a good pair of shoes should be uh, absolutely the mm-hmm. thing with the spiti is because it's a cold desert and uh, there are no trees yeah. so the soil is loose gravel so you have to be very careful you walk very slowly 
taking firm steps mm -hmm. and because you are climbing even though it is your second or third day the oxygen levels are still low yeah. so there is no need to rush so walk slowly take your time click pictures on the way and uh, the other thing again uh, there are no trees yeah there will be no shadow anywhere absolutely no shadow so make sure you are wearing a hat that covers your face you have some sunscreen applied on your face and all those are normal precautions you take and then you climb slowly and keep and drinking water i guess stay hydrated yeah keep drinking water absolutely you're right awesome so how much time did you spend at uh, the dhankar lake and uh, did you get a chance to stay at the guest house you mentioned at the monastery not at the monastery next day like we stayed at uh, another village uh -huh. so i'll talk about that okay. uh uh let me first answer your question like how much time to spend so it's totally up to you uh there is no shade there is a small uh, kind of uh, gompa made over there uh -huh. so that's the only place in whose shadow you can uh, sit depending upon which direction the sun is coming so you sit in the shadow of the gompa mm -hmm. and then you click pictures we were very lucky like uh, when we were just there a uh, local shepherd came with his uh, flock of sheep who all uh, started drinking water in the lake nice. that was an absolutely blissful moment to talk to these guys and watch the sheep and the goats over there so an hour two hour depending upon how much uh, time you want to spend how many pictures you want to click yeah. but definitely you should leave back before sunset because uh, there's no light or anything right. uh, so i would say you check out what is the sunset time it start at least an hour or an hour and a half before sunset so that you can slowly climb down to the dhankar monastery awesome awesome so um was that pretty much uh, your whole day in dhankar yeah so that was the whole day and uh, by the time we reached back uh, dhankar monastery it was already sunset mm -hmm. and then we went to our next destination which is the langza village okay so langza village is one of the high altitude himalayan village which is cut off from the world uh, during winter months mm. It's a very small village. I think uh, less than fifty houses, maybe even less. And some of the friendly locals uh, have converted their homes one or one or two rooms into a homestay. So we we stayed in two of the guest houses. A uh, local guy one one of them belonged to our guide, okay. and one of them to some other villagers. And you stay with them. You try local food. You mix with the locals and because this summer months are a lot of activities are happening these 3-4 months that they get in spiti like may june july august september and visitors start coming only in june mm -hmm. these 2-3 months uh, they are very busy harvesting preparing their fields uh, cutting uh, whatever little uh, bushes grow so they take uh, wood from these bushes no trees but small bushes and collect those and use that as firewood for winters all these activities are going on so you can participate in some of these activities observe their life interact with them there's no like you can say that okay this is the spot i want to go and see it's just about going and observing and absorbing uh, life in a spitian village uh, which has not changed much in last hundreds of years except now people have like uh, TVs and stuff like that. Yeah, you you didn't mention that it's pretty untouched and um, a lot of times cut off from the rest of the world. So uh, that leads me to the question: um, How about connectivity by phone? Uh, are mobile phones of any use at all in these places? So 
BSNL phone works once in a while, but most of the other cellular operators uh, in the villages are pretty useless. But in Kaza, almost everything uh, works. Uh, if you're lucky, if you're not lucky, then even BSNL doesn't work. So. Okay, and and you did mention you spent some time at the uh, Lanza village, right? So we stayed there overnight. Okay. We, we were there, uh, uh, and we kind of. This is a place which after dark is pitch dark because uh, only solar electricity is there. So once people sleep, you can see a billion stars in the sky. And I mean, it's it's like nothing you have seen ever in your life in any place uh, unless you have been to like some very remote parts of the world. So you, you can see a billion stars. You can click start rails and you can listen to the sound of winds. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, one must go and try some of these things. Awesome, awesome. And you didn't mention about the people. Uh, tell us a little more about them. I mean, looks like most of their livelihoods are supported either by farming or tourism. And uh, what was your experience like um, spending some time there at the village? So most of the people are farmers or shepherds. Okay. And uh, some of them have uh, these uh, homestays. But this is uh, homestays more like... Uh, a couple of months kind of business and uh, that is not their main source of income. That is more basically to facilitate, okay, people have come to our village. Mm-hmm. They have nowhere else to stay. Okay, we'll open our house and it gives us some little money. Okay. So mostly farmers, mostly shepherds, uh, uh, they keep uh, livestock. They have sheep, they have cows. Some of them keep horses also because they, they earlier that was only mode of uh, transport. Mm-hmm. So now though horses are not used for transport, but they still like to keep uh, some horses and there are some horse races during festival times that they engage into. Okay. The roads are good. Surprisingly, I was very surprised there is a road right up to the Lanza village. So you don't have to do any hiking. So so that's a good part about uh, Spiti. Most of the villages are very well connected uh, right up to the village gate. That's good to know. That's good to know. And what about language, Prasad? Was there uh, an issue anytime or um, is Hindi good enough to get by? So most of the younger generation will speak Hindi and uh, some words of English also. People who are into travel business, they will speak both Hindi and English. The older generation, like people who are above 50 and all, in villages, they may not know Hindi. They will speak uh, uh, local Spithian dialect. But you will not face a problem. Language would not be an issue because you will always find somebody who knows uh, pretty good Hindi and a decent amount of English. Awesome, awesome. So after spending time at Lanza, where next did you head off to? So we then went back next day again to Kaza because we were exploring some nearby villages again, mainly because uh, to click pictures and uh, portraits of locals. I think next two or three days we were in the uh, doing more or less same thing, visiting monasteries, visiting different uh, uh, villages and stuff like that. And then uh, on our journey back, uh, we camped at Chandratal Lake. So for Chandratal Lake, you need to go via Kunjum Pass on the way back to Manali. So from Kunjum Pass, you take about a 12-kilometer detour and you reach uh, Chandratal Lake. It's uh, one of the most beautiful lakes. It's a small lake, not a very big one like Pangong in Ladakh. But this is a lake which is surrounded by very high mountains and it's a perennial lake. And it's also the source of uh, Chandra River, which, uh, if my knowledge is correct, uh, later 
is called chenab in punjab and parts of uh, pakistan so uh, one of the sources of uh, chandra uh, river is uh, chandratal lake and this particular lake is mentioned in some of our earlier scriptures uh, vedas and puranas i don't remember the name mm-hmm. but that i have uh, read till about 2 km before lake you are allowed to do camping there is a designated camping site okay so you can camp over there uh, some of the camps uh, also have uh, facilities for offering food to the visitors mm-hmm. you can talk to them you can get food or you need to carry your own food and stuff if you don't want to uh, like uh, eat in a, uh, somebody else's camp uh, uh, or if you are pitching your own tents you can cook your own food did you get a chance to uh, camp there so yeah we camped over there stayed there overnight and uh, but we stayed in a proper established camp from a company Okay. and they had a proper kitchen tent and uh, uh, facilities for very basic food like khichdi and all the idea is the, to keep it as simple as possible because the more you cook the more you're going to kind of harm the environment so the idea is to cook very basic food disturb as little as uh, possible stay there overnight because early morning when the wind is not going you trek to the camp uh, to the lake mm-hmm. and the water is absolutely calm and you can see the reflections of snow clad peaks into the water and when the sun rises the top of the peak becomes golden and i mean it's absolutely amazing to see that yeah. sun over there and it's like nothing else you had ever seen yeah i could imagine and, and i believe it's in the shape of a crescent moon and yes. uh, that's how it gets the name also right uh, yes so so that's uh, the reason plus there's some mythological significance uh, with the moon chandra mm-hmm. so so those kind of things mm-hmm. but you you actually cannot see the crescent shape standing at the back because it's spread over a few kilometers so right. you actually have to walk but you can uh, like walk around the lake uh, uh, in an hour or so so it's not a very big lake okay and and uh, prasad you did mention about the campsite i know spiti is not as crowded as some of the other places but do you have to book beforehand or how does this work so if you plan to stay in some other uh, like in a proper company scam it's a good idea to book in advance okay. because uh, if you're not carrying your camping equipment and you don't have a booking mm-hmm. then you have no place to stay you will be out in cold so i would recommend unless you're taking your own camp please book in advance to avoid uh, kind of any kind of uh, uh, disappointment okay and was this handled by your uh, uh, the same guys who yeah so this is again a local company a uh, local guy a spitian guy and uh, we booked it through them only and they took care of all the logistics okay excellent so so how much did you spend a day and a half there uh, with with the overnight stay or was this longer yeah day and a half over there like we reached there around lunch time and then we left uh, next day after breakfast and stuff like that after all the photography Mm-hmm. but uh, if you want to explore more i would recommend you can stay there for two nights uh, that way if one day is not very bright and sunny don't get good pictures or you want to go explore the areas around the lake more uh, minimum one night but uh, you can spend up to two two nights over there okay and how much of a factor is the weather uh, prasad i know it's kind of a desert so it might not rain as much but uh, otherwise is it just dependent on um, when the sun comes out and how long it stays so surprisingly it's a desert but when i was there uh-huh. one day it rained and it rained <laughs> like uh, heavily so that's why i'm saying if one day is washed out okay. if you have planned for two nights in 
there, then it would be good because uh, it's not a destination you will go again and again. Probably sure. uh, for a lot of people, it will be once in a lifetime kind of a destination. And that is a good thing, actually, because otherwise, it, if it becomes Shimla or Nanital, then everybody will be going there. <laughs> so, so where next to... So, uh, I'll just ask what the next pit stop is, where you moved from um, Chandrital Lake. Yeah. So, Chandrital is basically when you're coming back is your last uh, stop. Uh, but when you're going back, uh, I highly recommend you stop at Konzum Pass. Mm. It's one of the most uh, photogenic Himalayan passes, I would say. The reason I say that is there's a small uh, gompa and temple at the pass, which has beautiful fluttering Tibetan colorful uh, flags. Mm. So you, you get absolutely beautiful pictures and there are very high peaks, snow clad peaks all around you. So if it's a beautiful, bright, sunny day, you, you'll get absolutely amazing pictures. So you can spend an hour or so over there. Is this much of a deviation? No, no, this is, you have to pass through the Kunzum okay. Pass to go back to anywhere from Chandratal. And uh, tell us a little bit more about these uh, beautiful prayer flags. Anytime you do mention a uh, uh, Gumpa, there's uh, this picture of the prayer flags comes up. What's the significance of these prayer flags and uh, what's the origin of them? So these are of Tibetan Buddhism origin. And uh, if you look at them closely, they have prayers written on them in the Tibetan script. So you'll see pictures of Buddha, you'll see pictures of various uh, birds, animals and motifs that you find in Buddhism. Like you'll see a horse, you'll see an elephant, you'll see uh, lotus flowers and things like that. And then, then some pairs are written on them. And the whole idea is when the wind is blowing, the wind touches these prayer flags. The wind carries the prayers and then it blesses the people and it wards off any kind of evil spirits or evil winds away from uh, you. So each flag will have different colors, white, blue, green, red. These are some of the common colors. Then there's a golden colored flags. And each one of them has a different uh, significance and a different prayer mentioned on uh, them. And every time uh, some of the locals are going, they offer these prayer flags uh, and they will tie these prayer flags on the gompa. That's the whole idea. Basically, they are blessing anybody who is passing through that area and uh, to keep the travelers safe. Because these are some of the very harsh terrain and roads have been built only in last, say, 30, 40 years. Before that, it was all on foot or on a horseback kind of a thing. And in the winters, you will get 10 feet, 15 feet of snow. You cannot move anywhere except for within your village. So traveling was not easy. So you needed blessings <laughs> to kind of uh, reach back your destination or home safely. Absolutely. And uh, they do create a beautiful fluttering noise as well, right? When yes, the wind blows. Yes. Yeah. So that sound is like when you just listen and it is depending upon how fast the wind is blowing, the sound keeps on changing. Excellent. So on that note, uh, after passing through Kunzum Pass, is this on your way back to Gaza again or did you head out to Manali? Manali. Uh, Manali. This is... On the way, like we did it on the way back to Manali. Some people like to first do Chandratal and then go to Gaza and all. Totally depends on you. The reason we prefer to do Chandratal in the end is because this is a camping site, very basic. So after that, you next day you go to Manali Mm -hmm. and then you can stay in a proper hotel and sleep as well, right? Yes. yes. (laughs) Awesome. It's been an awesome journey so far and, um, I'm sure that you had a bunch of stories. If if, it, if there's one story that um, you'd like to share with our 
listeners prasad what would that be of your whole journey so like i said like there are a lot of uh, monasteries over there and uh, from key monastery there was this young lama ji and uh, we became good friends so he volunteered to trek with us to dhankar monastery and then later to dhankar lake so we liked the idea because uh, we were very interested in talking to him and understanding his uh, wisdom and uh, stories about the local life and all So he gave us a lot of inputs about uh, how he became a lama and how he studied. He's actually a very intelligent person. They go through not just the Buddhism but through proper education also, and then they are awarded a degree uh, from one of the Buddhist universities. The best story about him was like when I was climbing the monastery, uh, or not the monastery, sorry, towards the Dhankar Lake. I was a little tired because uh, it's uh, a little bit of climb and. i was resting at places so this guy just comes to me and said uh sad it seems you are tired i said yes i am a little tired so i'll climb a little slowly uh-huh. and he used to carry me on his back to the <laughs> like i said no i i and i am not a light person but he said it's not a issue i can carry you i said i'm sure you can carry me and that's very nice of you but i'd like to complete my trek on my own but he never left me alone like throughout the journey he was just uh, like either uh walking side by side with me or just a few steps ahead or behind me just to make sure that i am all right so he was not supposed to do that and but i was like really uh feeling very uh, thankful to him that he was there so that if uh, due to any reason i am not able to complete the trek or something then he can immediately take care of me so that's very nice of uh, those local people and the lama ji awesome he, it's surprising that he even offered to carry you all the way yes. you didn't mention that these are uh, high altitudes with uh, um, a lot of high speed winds as well so that's really kind of him to offer that that's just yeah. Yeah. and i'm sure he, he was strong enough to carry me but like <laughs> he didn't want to do that because cool and any final piece of advice for um, our aspiring travelers who want to visit spiti coming back to your question i think the idea should be that you respect the local culture and you leave the place as pristine as you find it and please be prepared to go there it is not a tourist place mm-hmm. it is a place you go to savor and uh, understand the local culture local people uh, respect their uh, traditions respect their religion the other thing is prepare for some of these very small things otherwise your trip will become painful simple things like carrying sunscreen simple things that drinking enough water so that you are hydrated making sure that you are not standing in sun for too long or if you are there you cover yourself with a hat and things like that because these are not the terrains which uh, are forgiving these are really harsh terrains and the locals are used to it so you may think okay this guy is not wearing any sunscreen but he has been living it there all his life you are coming from delhi bangalore bombay and you are not used to that so just don't try to kind of mess with the nature follow the instructions which your guide gives to you whether they are about uh, drinking water or whether taking it slowly or whether covering yourself with the hat or a sunscreen whatever as the case may be prasad thank you so much for taking us to this journey to this pretty much unexplored and pristine part of india and uh, sharing all all your memories from there and also letting our listeners know how to get about there and um, enjoy their stay while they're there so thank you so much we are really grateful to you for sharing your experiences i'm sure a lot of our listeners are uh, really looking forward to exploring more and also following your blog and um, your stories your travel stories from the future how can one follow you 
So on all social media, I am Desi Traveler with a single L in Traveler. Mm-hmm. So people can just follow me over there, subscribe to the blog, whatever. I mean, they feel comfortable with, and I try to share one story a week at least. Excellent, excellent. And just for the uh, note of our listeners, all these links and um, social media handles will be shared in the show notes section of this page. Um, so it's easier to follow that way. Prasad, finally, before we let you go, if you had to take away one memorable moment, if you just had to shut your eyes and think about one moment that comes up to you from this journey or from this trip, what would that be? I would say like uh, standing in the middle of nowhere in this small Lanza village and looking at a billion stars above you. I mean, that's something I will never forget. Uh, that tells you like how insignificant our space or place is in this universe. We humans tend to think we are the master of the universe. We are not. We are just a speck in the great creation created by Almighty. And we need to respect that and remember that. I, I, I think that's my takeaway. That's what you learn when you travel, that uh, this universe is too big and we need to respect that. Absolutely, absolutely. On that wonderful note, thank you so much, Prasad, for taking time out and sharing your experiences with our listeners. We are looking forward to more of these travel stories from you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed talking to you. That was yet another great episode of The Musafir Stories. If you guys like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Pocket Radio or any other podcasting app that's available on iOS or Android. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We go by the handle The Musafir Stories. Or if it suits you, you could email us at themusafirstories at gmail.com and visit our website www.themusafirstories.com for more information. All of these links will be made available in the show notes section of the podcast. So here's to more traveling, sharing and inspiring. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, happy travels and goodbye. My name is Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini Pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. (laughs) That's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences in our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms, not for all dads, not fathers and moms, for all moms. It's going to be a good old time. You guys are going to want to stick around. Promise. So subscribe.